Dear Lord, we thank You so much for the opportunity to come together. And, and Lord, uh, we just want uh, to win souls for Your Kingdom. We're all in. We are excited about spending eternity with You and, and, and that love that You filled our hearts with compels us to tell others. So, Lord, help us. And specifically, Lord, we have a burden for young people. So, Lord, bless us today as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> um, I want to I share some, some ideas with you that I think are super-duper powerful, but I, I want you to understand it in context. Uh, sometimes we can get really excited about a concept that we almost make it an idol. You follow what I'm saying? Like, this is the way. And uh, look, there's only one way, and it's Jesus. And if Jesus is behind the concept, it'll be super successful. If you're behind it, or, or, or I'm behind it, not so much. Um, and, and, and a lot of the quotes I'm going to be sharing with you today are off, are off of one page. There's, the Ministry of Healing, the book Ministry of Healing is so awesome, but there's this, this one page, it's my favorite page, uh, 143 specifically. She says this, the world needs today what it needed 1900 years ago, a revelation of Christ. Now revelation, when you think of that word, you typically think of a book of the Bible, but if you break it down to its core word, it's, it's reveal. What do you think it means to reveal? To show, correct? Now, if she, here's what she's saying. She's saying if Christ was revealed, that's what would be needed. You ever heard that, uh, that Scripture where Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw them into Me. So like, like start with Me. Now, He's not trying to be arrogant or, or you know, any of that. He's just suggesting that if people really saw me for who I really was and, and understood my ways, they would love it. Now, we know this to be true. If you read the narrative or the Gospels of Jesus' life, whenever He shows up, what happened? Boom! Like, she, Ellen says in Desiree, she said, he literally, the reason why He didn't like, go inside, because there was no building that could hold the crowd. Not only that, they would stand all day to listen to him. And they would not, they would, they would forget their hunger pains. I find that amazing to believe. Right? Let's be honest, like think of whoever you think your favorite speaker is. Could you listen to them for seven hours straight standing up in the heat of the day and go, man, I'm kind of hungry, but no, this is more important. And so then when we ask, uh, why are people leaving the church? Would it make sense there's a logical connection that, that maybe we need to do a better job of revealing Jesus? Right? Okay. So, <clears throat> then she says that same page. She says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior does something really interesting. He mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed His sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then He bade them, follow Me. There is a process. There's actually an equation, Mrs. Heslop, 
that if this, this, this equals this, and then do this. My question in your groups is this. How do you mingle? Go ahead and take uh, 60 seconds. And I, I want you to tell the rest of your group your moves. How do you mingle with other people? Now, now let me be very specific. How do you mingle with people you don't know? Like, have you ever, and I feel like there's a lot of dating crossover. Like, maybe remember when you were a teenager, did you ever see somebody go, I like to meet that person? How did you mingle? Okay, so go ahead and discuss what, what, you, what you use, what worked for you to mingle. For those of you that are just coming in, uh, I'm just picking on you, but I mean, like, uh, pick a spot where there's other people so you can mingle. If you're by yourself, that could be awkward. Uh, so if you're too heavy in one group, move over to another table, because uh, we're going to be talking in groups all, all morning. How do you mingle? Go ahead. All right, uh, let's, let's talk. What, what did you, tell me how you mingle. Uh, here, here's how this is going to work. You're, you have the opportunity, you can share what you think, you can share what you heard, or you could share what you think someone else should have said. So anyway, whatever, uh, you just share with, uh, share with us how do you mingle, and if you happen to hear me repeat what you said, it's only because someone told me yesterday, you need to repeat what people say if they're not on a mic, so that for the recording, so I'm not being weird. Maybe I am, but like, man, he just said what I said, you know, so you know why, okay? All right, can someone share? Okay, you ask people, yes, you're a master mingler. Uh, yes, you are. Is, is he not? And he's a mingler. Yeah, so you ask them questions about themselves. That's good. Yes. Okay, you go, your, your first move is high. All right, all right, that's good. Someone else? Where are you from? Okay, uh, all the extroverts are starting first. Uh, if, you are, if you consider yourself an introvert, uh, do you say, I do not mingle? <laughs> is that what you do? Or, is that what you said? I do not mingle. Okay. Hey, fair enough. What I don't want to try and suggest this morning is, hey, I'm an extrovert, you all should be extroverted. That is not what I'm suggesting at all. Matter of fact, I want to hear more, if possible, from introverted people to let me know either A, how you do this, or B, why you feel so uncomfortable doing it. Yes? Okay, so you rip on yourself. All right, all right. Hey, I'm a dork. Hi. All right, and it works. All right, all right. So that's good. All right. All right, I'm writing that down. Uh, yes? Oh, that's actually. So you look for people who look more quieter than you, right? Like that person looks scared to death. I'm talking to them. That's a, that's actually that's really intelligent. I like that. Yes. Anyone else? Listen, I something blew my. I, this is a few, this is a few years ago. It totally blew my mind uh, that I never thought of before, and that was this. Um, I, used to, I used to think when, when I thought of witnessing or talking to someone that they had to look a certain way. I, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but 
they needed to have all of these things wrong with them, and then they were that's the people you minister to. And then, and then one time the Lord just revealed to me is, why don't you uh, mingle with people that you think you would get along with? Not that I wouldn't with others, but you catch what I mean? Like, have you ever met somebody like, I really like that person. If we could hang out, why don't you minister to that person? You feel like you're cheating. Oh no, that doesn't count. That, I would enjoy myself. I need to find someone that would be totally be miserable with. That's ministry. But I mean, how many times, seriously, whether it's a hardware store, a grocery store, whatever, everyone kind of has these patterns. I go to the same Speedway or I go to the same Myers or, or whatever. Uh, and if you've ever made connections, actually people you look forward to seeing, those could be prime targets for ministry. And I'll, I'll, so you just would potentially mingle with them. Um, there is a, uh, a fascinating book I wrote. It's, or not I wrote, well, I don't write. Uh, I have read, which is even more surprising, he reads, uh, called The Light Switch. Uh, it's, not a, I would not, it's not a Christian book or anything like that, but he, he details like how do you meet people uh, and how do you connect with people. And he says, he says there's four things. One is uh, in order for you to uh, uh, meet with people or, or get to know people, number one is your proximity, which makes sense. You need to actually be where they're at. Uh, two, uh, frequency. You, you need to be where they're at often. And then if you really want to ramp it up, duration, you're where they're at for longer periods of time. And then fourth is intensity. You start talking about bigger things than just, in Michigan, the weather. So if you do those four things, you literally could get to know anyone, which is, is kind of intriguing. And as I analyzed my life, people that I've actually wanted to get to know, I did those four things subconsciously. When I uh, first was introduced to my future wife, the first thing I thought was, I want proximity. So I th thought of whatever reason I could to be in her area, and then I wanted to do that as often as I could, and then I wanted that for longer, and then conversation, you know, that type of thing. How many of you have ever heard of the propinquity effect? Okay, one, all right, is anyone ever, okay, propinquity, very interesting word. It's one of those words that are like, man, that's weird, it's hard to say, but potentially once you understand what it is and you say it, it's kind of a fun word that you like keep around. Propinquity is, a, is an excellent word. Every boarding school should know about propinquity. Uh, they do actually know about it, they just never maybe, maybe use the word. But I want to tell you a quick story about a very attractive young lady. Uh, her name was Mary. Um, this is an older picture from years and years ago. A uh, very attractive young lady who was in the, uh, uh, was in the neighborhood and, and two, two young men, uh, specifically very close, they were like brothers, both thought that Mary was special. Uh, you might recognize them, uh, maybe you don't, but if you, you do, uh, uh, this gentleman right here, his name was Willie. And this guy's name was John Harvey, but maybe they just called him John. John Harvey Kellogg, William White. They both thought Mary was very, very nice, and they both were trying to win her affections. And uh, someone got involved with the process, someone who understood propinquity, 
that helped tip the scales in someone's favor. Her name was Ellen White. Ellen White, like Mary, felt like she would be great for Willie. So you know what she did? She hired her as her personal assistant, and then they traveled to California. Of course, Willie went along, and poor John Harvey Kellogg was stuck in Battle Creek. Anybody want to guess who Mary married? She became Mary White. Uh, very interesting story. Ellen White understood about propinquity. The story uh, is, uh, didn't end potentially really well. She, Mary actually contracted TB and got sick and unfortunately died at a, at a, a very young age. Um, and then John Harvey got mad at Willie and said, if she, if she wouldn't have went with you, she would have stayed here, wouldn't have got sick. If she would have got sick, I would have healed her. So, you know, that was a, a point of contention uh, over a woman. But um, anyway, this is the propinquity effect. Very simple. The propinquity effect is the tendency for people to form relationships with those whom they encounter often. Is that, how many of you have friends where you go, hey, how did you guys meet? And you're like, huh. Uh, well, we just went to the same school, or we went to the same club, or, or we grew up in the same house, you know, or whatever. Um, we just, it just, I don't know. I, I used to, I've, I've always suggested that I, I, my way to uh, uh, attract girls was, was kind of like a rash. You're like, where, you know, where did it come from? It won't go away. I'll just accept it and live with it. So that's, that worked for me with Melinda. So, uh, but, you know, the propinquity type thing uh, is, is there. So uh, what I, well, here's what I'm suggesting is, <clears throat> what if you just put yourself in a situation, and this is what I, I'll, I'll tell young people, how could you put yourself in a situation where you're around people that you wanted to have an eternal relationship with. I'm not talking romantic. I know I mentioned that as an example, although it does work. I'm actually talking from a ministry perspective. How, how could you use propinquity um, for your good? And so here's what's interesting is uh, you would actually have to make friends who aren't Adventist or Christian. So we just went around campus and asked a, uh, this question. I'll ask you. And... Um, you can maybe answer it to yourself. Uh, how many of your friends are Adventist or Christian? Just in your mind, just think it through. How, how, many, how many of you, 90 plus percent? Okay. Are Christians? Yeah. Yeah, like your friends, like 90 percent, 90 or, or 99%, 95%. They're all, they're all Christians, or, or maybe you even want to use the term Adventists. Obviously, Adventists are Christians, but, you know, that's how many. Um, so we went around campus a few days ago and asked that question, what percentage? And, and it was really intriguing. Uh, some of the people answered quite proudly, like, 99%. And like, they were like, yes. And so then we asked this question, not to antagonize, but we said, um, why actually don't you have more non-Christian friends? And what was intriguing, you, you could see their, 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 their facial expression. They were like, uh. <laughs> like that was a bad thing. Like, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Except this one girl. She's like, because I don't have anything to do with them. And uh, 
So then we ask the third question: Do you want more Christian friends or non? Excuse me. Do you want more non-Christian friends? And the same girl said no. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> then the others were like. Oh, yeah, I know I should. And then, like, like we were priests, they started confessing, like, oh, you know, I'm saying, you know. And uh, that, which was really a social, interesting uh, experience because I, I, you know, I was, I didn't know that it was going to go that way. But it, it's funny, it's like, yeah, all my friends are, not, are Adventists or Christian. Um, yes, I would like more non Christian friends. Uh, but I, and I don't know why I don't. Well, could it be that you're not being intentional? <clears throat> could it be? And then I hope I'm not stepping the toes, and I could be way off. I'm just giving you my experience. Could it be that when I'm in the world, I'm a consumer? So everyone that I meet, I'm only meeting them because I need them to do something for me. Give me my gas, give me my bread, you know, give me my whatever. Nice talking to you. See you later. And all my conversations are super, super surface. I'm just trying to be polite and kind because, of course, I'm a Christian. And then I'm just going to check that. I'm not thinking like, this guy is an amazing person that I know at the hardware store. Arch is one guy that I, comes to my mind. Arch is this amazing guy that knows everything about everything. You, you have that hardware guy that you go to that you can ask, and he just knows it all. I think, man, that guy's super cool. I want to spend eternity with him. So how am I now going to get into a situation where Arch and I, you know, like, I'm not going to go up to Arch and go, hey, you know, I really like you. You want to go out to dinner? You know, like, that could be awkward. <laughs> right? You know, it just would, right? And, and, and some of you, and that doesn't have to be like a, you know, for that reason, but specifically, like, what, what, if you, what if you can act in a very purely platonic, spiritual way with someone of the opposite sex? How do you witness to that person in a safe way, in an appropriate way? You know, I'm a, I'm a married man type of thing. So without giving off that type, wrong type of vibe. So these are really good questions. Now, you say, well, yeah, yeah, but isn't this about youth? Absolutely. At the youth level, they're afraid that anyone thinks that they like them. They're nervous. I mean, we, we're, in a, we're engaged here. A lot of us are, are we're talking. But if, you, if, you, if I made you all just wave the wand and you all became 17, nobody wants to talk because they're afraid of communicating and saying something. Phrase maybe not the right word, but probably. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I'm just messing you. <laughs> so here's where I think uh, Jesus was amazing. Number one, he, he was the master of propinquity. He just really, really was. And he became such an amazing light. He was the light that people were attracted to him and all they wanted to do is spend time with him. And the more they spent time with him, what happened? The more they became like him. This is a biblical principle in the a book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Apparently what happens is that the more we behold, we become changed. Isn't that right? Those of you that are parents, do you have kids that you don't want your kids to hang out with? Why? They're not a good influence because you think that if they hang out with them, they will be like them. And you know what? You're absolutely right. So then the question is, how do you flip that so that when they come around you, 
they become more like you. Correct. Become a spring, like a spring of water instead of a pool that just collects, right? So I, here's what I'm going to suggest, and I'm not a science dude, but uh, which dude would denote that? Um, <clears throat> osmosis, right, is, the, is this, this concept of a stronger solution will go in and overpower a weaker solution, correct? If Jesus is in your life and he's the one you're beholding, when you talk to people in the community, that stronger solution, which isn't you, which is Christ, will overpower that. Does that make sense? So this stands in complete opposition of, hey, let's be like the world. Let's act so much like the world that they'll want to hang out with us. Well, that's problematic for two reasons. One is they won't feel any need to come hang out with you. They've already got that. And then number two, all that does is it corrupts you. You've lost your identity. Imagine this. Imagine that you had, I don't know if anyone has a sore tooth right now, and you're like, oh, I, my tooth is killing me. And my cousin is right here. He's a dentist. You go to his office, and he come in, and, and he's like dressed like, um, I don't know, like the latest fashions. Hey, how's it going? Come on in. Have some candy, you know. All right. We got omelets over here, you know. And I got the latest music, and we got sofas just lay down, you know, and we're just going to, we got movies on the ceiling, and I just want you to feel super comfortable, and you'd be like, I need a dentist, not a club, and freak out, like, uh, I got the wrong dentist, see you later, no, come back, we have Snickers, you know, type of thing. <laughs> you understand, like, see, like that, you want authenticity, right, and I believe youth ministry can be that. So how do we get, how do we, how do we create propinquity with people in our community? Here's what I think is, is what Jesus did. It's called, and I think this is like bedrock, the power of asking for help. Jesus was the master of doing this. I think I mentioned this yesterday. He went to the woman at the well and he said, help me. Then what he did was once you became inner circle, he looked to you all the time to, to, to actually engage so you felt like you were part of the group. Do you remember when he preached, I, I referenced preaching all day, and they were hungry? It, there's different accounts of the feeding of the 5,000, but one of them he says, hey, what do you think we should do? Now, the, the, the writers of the Gospel goes, he already knew what he wanted to do. But he said, you give them some to eat, and one, and, and one account, and the other ones he says, hey, what do you, you know, how can we feed all these people? He was engaging people so that they felt part of the process that they were helping. He went up to Matthew, right? Follow me. I need you. Oh, you're, you're an amazing accountant. I need you. Right? He, just, he was constantly telling, I need your help. I need your help. Now, you could argue that Jesus needed no one's help. But he leveraged that. And so... The power of asking help is amazing. So what if you went into your community, going back to Arch, my idea with Arch, the hardware guy, if I had a reason, instead of asking him out to dinner, I could say, hey, Arch, I've got this thing that we're doing, and I could really use your help. Do you ever help people? And then present the idea. Gaylord does something super cool. They have a triathlon every year, right? And you give, what, like 50 bucks away, 20, 50, whatever. So the concept is this, um, they tell the community we're having this triathlon, and any of the kids that want to do it, they can do it, 
and if they, if they successfully complete it, we're buying them a bike. They get a free bike. It costs them nothing, correct? So you're encouraging health, fitness, they have an identity in the community. Now, I'm guessing that you can talk to vendors in your community that have heard of this program, and you potentially could start relationships. We could use your help, like, whatever. Could you repair a bike, or could you be on site, or could you do first aid, or could you help us with banners? Usually what we do is we talk to them, and, and, it's, and it's from a consumer perspective, but what if actually you were using that as a stepping stone to, to continue establish and continue relationships? Now, when you do this every year, you do establish a relationship, right? I, I'm guessing people go, hey, you're the, you're the triathlon church. Right, so you went to the Kiwanis, which is a different faith-based organization, and you said, help us. That's genius. And then people go, hey, I want to join a church. Now, this is what's awesome. I want a church that acts like Jesus. That's what they did. I'm sure you shared with them the doctrines of the faith. With doctrines, just go, hey, this is how Jesus lives. Well, I'm sure that they're going to find out. But my point is, the follow me, the this is how... If you look at the equation, it's later on. That doesn't mean that it doesn't, isn't important. What I'm saying is relationship draws that. Like, I want to know more about you. I want to know why you're this way. And when you share your beliefs or how you live, they're like, yeah, I'm in. I want that. I've just found that to be true. I don't know. Have you felt found that to be true? When you study with people um, that you have relationship with, like when we become really, really close friends, when we talk about truth, it's so logical to accept truth. So you're like, yeah, here's the truth. It's in the Bible. And they're like, oh, okay. Now, there might be some points of contention just because they're not wanting to stop certain things. You know, okay, well, just the Holy Spirit work on that. We'll let that marinate. But for the most part, when you talk about things that are obvious, when you have relationship, it just makes sense. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to stop talking for a minute. <laughs> just a minute. Uh, but here's how this process works. Okay? I've established, hopefully we've, we've established this morning, that propinquity is something that works. That the more you hang out with somebody, the more you're attracted to them and, and actually start acting like them. So how do we create propinquity in our community? Okay? So I believe there are two things that how you, how you create these options. One is you establish first what your strengths are because I believe that we live in our strength zones. I know that we try, oh, I need to work on that. That's my weakness. But the reality is you basically live in your strength zones and you only talk about your weaknesses when someone calls you out on it. You go, oh, yeah, that's a weakness. Oh, yeah, and then back. <laughs> but what are things that you are just super talented in? These are my strengths. Okay? So here's what, this is where it's kind of awkward and difficult if you're at a table that not, not a whole lot of people uh, know you. Uh, for the next period when you're talking, no one's going to think that you're bragging. No one's going to think you're cocky and arrogant unless you, you tell them that you are. But I want you to, with all humility, okay? Someone needs to be a scribe and write this down. I want you to say, this is what I believe God has blessed me with. This is a strength that I have. Now, if you are blessed to have someone who knows you at the table, typically it's easy for others to tell you what your strengths are than you. And you'll say, I don't know if I have any, you know. And then your friend will be like, yes, you do. This is your strength. 
And then you're like, oh. Now, sometimes, if you need me to rephrase it, instead of saying your strength, what is it that you like to do and others say you do that well? Like you just naturally enjoy it, and when you do it, people go, man, that was really fantastic. So if I happen to be a good singer, and I like it just naturally sing, but if everyone said, like, you, you really shouldn't, then that wouldn't be a strength. But if other people said, would you sing for special music while there are people there, then that might be a strength, okay? So process, just really quick, uh, we're going to take a few minutes, but just process in your group, what are the strengths of the people at your table, okay? We're going to act like there's one, two, three, four, five, six, there's seven churches here today. You're going to act like you all go to church together, so write down all your strengths. If you, Macy, if you want to join, you can, if not, that's fine. Yeah, come, come, yeah, all right. All right, go ahead, start. All right, <clears throat> let's uh, stop for a minute and we'll go to the next spot. Now, once you establish what your strengths are, um, then, then you're ready for the next step. By the way, let me just pause and say something. This is, I really believe this, this is an amazing thing that will work with our youth. But you're, if you, how many of you have kind of thought, this actually isn't a youth thing, this could be a, a human thing? Well, that's what, sometimes I think we think of youth, like they're this special alien, and one day they will stop being aliens, and they will join our race, you know. <clears throat> no, they, they think that actually the same way as, as we old, older seasoned veterans do. Um, but this, this, this process will really work. They, they absolutely, and we absolutely love to do things that we're comfortable doing, and we don't necessarily like doing things we're not comfortable. And I'm not suggesting that we should never do uncomfortable things or hard things. What, what I'm saying is there's a stronger possibility of you doing something for the Lord that you feel competent doing, right? I, I, after so many years of, of teaching, I found out there really is not a, such a thing as a bad teacher but there's a lot of people that are out of position. There's no way they should be in that seat. And if you just move them to a different seat, you're going to find an all-star. They're just out of position. And I found that way with people. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I could be proved wrong, but I've just met people, they're just super miserable. You move them to another spot, and all of a sudden they're shining. And that's, I think, what you want to do when, when, you're, when you're having this ministry. So, okay, so you have your strengths now. Okay, fantastic. Now... This is where it's going to get awkward because you're all going to bring your own story to this next piece. And I told you all, you're a one church, so you typically would think of this community. But this is going to be somewhat of a melting pot or even a, a mosaic um, because when you speak of the needs of your community, you're obviously going to speak from like, okay, this is how it is in Grand Blank, this is how it is in Tustin, Gaylord, Grand Rapids, Bristol, Cadillac. So, and that's okay, but we're just really focusing on learning the process. Once you've established what your strengths are, the next thing you're going to do is say, hey, what have we seen that, like, that, like there's opportunities or needs in the community? Like, man, the, I, somebody should do something about this. And when I say community, I'm actually not talking about church community. I'm actually talking about what you see around you. Okay? Does that make sense? So what I'd like you to do next is, and, I, and again, I know that someone might bring up a need that isn't a need in your community, but just play along. 
Uh, what are some needs that you, you see in your communities? Go ahead and write them down this time. Make sense? Okay, go ahead. All right, so <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. Uh, I want to simulate this, this process. I'm, I'm just going to pick one of your tables. Uh, is, there any, is, is there a table that would be willing to let me, let the rest of the group hear your strengths and your needs so that we can use you in this example? So, so, so tell me, uh, we're going to start with strengths. Tell me, tell me what your strengths were. Okay. Okay, um, helpers. All right, sorry, I ran out of room. Didn't think that through. Okay, so these are your strengths. Okay, uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to go, uh, what are the needs of your community? Okay? And I'm just going to, I'll probably stop after a while because I ran out of room, but what do you got? Okay, so you, you just identified a people group. Okay? Which is fine, absolutely fine. Okay, uh, anything else you saw was a need that you saw like, boy, this this is something that could be. Okay, so you want to delegate, you want to uh, be able to mentor. Okay. All right, so this is where it gets interesting. Where when again, when you have your youth together, it doesn't matter what they put up there. Now you, th I want to, I want to explain to you this process. Okay. Because if you come to your youth group and say, I've got a great idea, we're going to do this, that's probably not going to have a really high success rate. But if you take them through this process and have them develop it themselves, they're going to own it. All right? So if you analyze your strengths, okay, we're very organized, we're outgoing, we're welcoming, we sing, we're, we know how to run nonprofits, uh, specifically with drug, uh, drug abuse, correct? Uh, cooking, uh, creative, and we're helpers. We like to help a lot of people. We want to somehow connect with the youth of the community. We want to delegate uh, responsibility to young people, and we want to mentor them. Okay? That's what they came up with. Now, I, I'm just thinking in my mind what I, would, what I would push back on is I would say, I need you to be more defined here. It's too, it's too broad. Because I'm not going to go up to a kid in my community and go, I'd like to be your mentor. That's probably not going to work. So, the question is, what is it that they might want to get help in? Delegation, I'm guessing, I don't want to read into what you said too hard, but I'm assuming when you say you want to delegate to other people, you were, actually, you were talking more about church, right? Right, so I'm actually, let me be very clear, I am not talking about church at all. I'm only talking about the community. Like, not, I won't say that. But like, we are focusing 100% in the community. So, so, but this is still good. You somehow want to connect with youth and you want to mentor them. And that's awesome. You're actually wanting your youth to be mentors to people who don't have Jesus. Okay? So, let, if, if, if it's okay, if, if, I, if I have your permission... I want to invite the rest of the group in to maybe brainstorm some ways or some, some needs that you think, you're just assuming that there are people in the community that would love help or mentorship in. So give them to me. Okay, school. And I'm just going to put these anywhere. Yes, keep them, just keep them coming. 
Sports. Okay, after school. What do you mean by after school programs? Is that like school or you're talking about daycare? Okay, flag camp. Fantastic. If you don't know what flag, flag stands for, and not just flag, but I, it, what does it mean? It's, it's um, yes, an acronym. In Berrien Springs is, anyway, never mind. I thought somebody knew what that was, but I don't either. So, okay. What else? Other needs? Relationships. Anyone else? Pets? Who said that? Pets? Okay. Pets? Okay. Resume. Fantastic. Kurt. Highway cleanup. Soup kitchen. Okay. Finance. All right, what else I heard? Well, I heard resume, so I'm assuming you think they need a job. Okay, so we have some of these. Now, now follow this out. Now, I want you to, in your groups, uh, and I'll read them again. We, you now are going to become table one or two, whatever. Your, you, your strengths are organization, you're outgoing, you're welcoming, you sing, you're a nonprofit, you cook, you're creative, you're helpers. These are some of the needs in your community. We have kids that need help with maybe tutoring. Uh, there's a potential for a sports program. They're, they need help with relationships. They need to figure out how to get a job or resume prep. They need pet care, potentially, uh, after school help, flag camp, soup kitchen. What do you see could, where does your strengths and needs intersect? Essentially, like you go, I could do that. If I had these strengths, I could absolutely do that. Okay? That makes sense? So, I, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to have you go in your groups. Talk to me. Where do you see intersection here? Everywhere? You think any of those could work? Yeah, like, like my strengths say I could do this. Okay, cooking. Okay, yeah, right. Yes. Yes, exactly. That could work? Yes. Now, this makes sense because, and I'm not trying to uh, flatter you, um, this, is, this is a highly accomplished, intelligent group of people. If you have a group of two or three people, and they go, well, I don't know what I can do, and you might have in your group no one that's organized, no one that's musical, no one that is a talker, or they're all talkers. <laughs> Right? All talk, no do. Right? All right, so that's, you know, so, so the process in this case, you're like, oh, this is a no-brainer. We have so much talent here, we could do anything. Which you're right, Donna, that's potential. But I'm talking to you, in reality, when you go back to your churches, it, the reality is you might have one, two, maybe three, and they, it's a very limited thing. So stick to the process to find that match. But, Based on what you told me, anything could work. So, so here's what I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna throw something out, and then let's run with it. Uh, what if you went to all the kids around your church and you asked them if they wanted a job, because you just created a new organization that helps young people find jobs. And one of the simple ways you're gonna do that is you're going to find people that have pets and see if they need walking or care. 
Or you might even ask the kids, what is it that you want to learn? So then you go to people in the community and go, I have a young man here that is interested in learning how to lay ceramic tile. Would you help me by allowing this young person to be an apprentice, have an apprenticeship program? You get what I'm saying? Now I'm asking people in the community I don't even know. Now I know that's problematic in 2018, and there's got to be some sort of vetting process. I'll let you organizers figure that out. But now I'm talking to people in the community and I'm asking them to help me act like Jesus. You've now created a two-tier ministry. You have the people that you're asking to help you and their inner circle. And you're going to need to talk with them and, and, and equip them and work with them. And then you've got the people that are actually, you know, that are, I just need a job. So now you've got two opportunities to create auxiliary meetings. Let me explain that. These young people that are now going to get a job, you want to train them on how to be, to keep the job. There's a really hot term right now, it's called adulting. We have adulting classes. Essentially, we tell them how to talk and to dress and how to act in society that isn't offensive. How to, how to keep a job. So now what have you done? You've created another reason to get together. And it's purely Christ. But when you come in, when they come in, right, and they meet with you and you teach them how to speak, you're going to show them biblically how pure speech edifies and how Christians talk. If you talk to them about how to dress professionally, you can introduce the concept of modesty and you can use Scripture for that. You can even actually read really great books written by really great female authors that explain these things. And you're just communicating. You're just helping. Now these people are going to start spending time with you. Which, what does propinquity do? It changes you. Do you, you see the difference? It's like, I'm trying to act like Jesus. I'm trying to help you. Forget about this model of we got to act like the world so that we can attract the world. That is such a broken model. Let me tell you, Adventists are famous for taking broken models that, that the world quit 10 years ago. And the, what I mean by that is, uh, like, Protestant churches are usually frontline that develop these new models of ministry. And Adventists read them like 15 years later. They're like, look, there's this amazing new cutting edge book. It's called The Purpose Driven Church. Right. And you're like, look at this. this. I'm so cutting edge. And then you read it, and then you like start implementing it, and then you read that Rick Warren goes, yeah, that didn't work. We moved on. Like we, I'm, I'm serious. It happens all the time. And I'm not disrespecting anyone. I'm just saying we do that. Instead of reading gold that we have in the Bible in the spirit of prophecy. Stuff that people are coming out like, hey, we got this new light. Have you ever heard a doctor, you read an article like, this is new light. If you eat two meals a day, it's better for you. And you're like, yeah, the sister said that years ago, and I've been ripped on for it. Like, it's there. We just need to use it. She's just intelligent. Let's just get over it. <laughs> but let's just use this, okay? So, uh, my, my, my point in, in, in saying this is, we, we're going we're gonna to establish in our youth groups, or even if you say, oh, forget the youth groups, I'm doing this in my church. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to figure out what our strengths are. We're going to figure out what real needs are. And then we're going to pick one. And then we're just going to establish this. Now, this is the beauty of it. And, I, and we've got some pastors here. And I, I know they'll agree with me. I'm a pastor. I'm not offended if you do something without me being the center of it. I'm so not offended if I don't go to your meetings. I'm so excited that you're active. And here's the beautiful thing. If God calls me to leave in two years, you don't need me. It still keeps going. So yeah, yeah, but there's some people in the church that don't like it. Well, good, they won't come to your meeting. Don't tell them where you're meeting. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like so many times, we go, well, we can't do it because of the pastor and church politics and they don't like me. And what we're really saying is on Sabbath. This is not an on Sabbath thing. We're going seven days. This is a lifestyle change. Now, I don't want to freak any of you out like seven days a week, forget that. What I'm saying is maybe that you're, as a Christian, you should always be on call. Does that make sense? And so, this, this ministry, is, it's just a different mindset. Now, I, 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 forgive me if I repeat myself from yesterday, but there are people that think that they can't have youth ministry because they only have so many in their church. So then unless we reproduce, we will never have a youth ministry. What I'm saying is get active in your community and you'll have a youth problem. A good problem. There is a church in California called Colfax. It was about 15-20 minutes north of where I lived. And one day they had a meeting and his name is Bill Jensen. Bill's, man, Bill's 80. He's older now, but he had this conversation and he sat down and he's a super cool guy, funny guy. And he goes, guys, I'm the youth of this church. I'm the youngest person in this church. And they all looked around and it was true. Now there's nothing wrong with old people. Every year I love them more. Amen? But what he was saying is our church will close because we're all going to be dead in about 10, 20 years. We've got to do something different. And you know what they did? They said... What if we just made it all about other people instead of ourselves? What if we made our church like so attractive to who we were trying to attract, they would come? And you know what they did? They said, yeah, let's do that. Let's give it a shot. Now, this is the truth. If you ever go to Northern California, it's on high, Highway 80, just north of Auburn and in between, uh, just shy of Tahoe. You'll come to the church in the town of Colfax and on any get-in Sabbath, I guarantee you, you will see at least 40 young people. When the children's story is called up, they meet in, a, meet in a church that's smaller than this room, 40 young people go up. I'm not talking, I'm not talking young people like young, they have that too. 40 kids go up for the children's story. Like if you don't show up on time, you're not getting a seat. And the old people absolutely love it. There's kids crawling over everybody. Now, now, that doesn't mean just because you grow young doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden an amazing church. You follow me? Like, that's another ditch. Like, we're not a great church because we're not young. That's baloney. And hey, at least the youth, you know, like the, the audiovisual is horrible, but hey, it's a young person there. Well, no, the young person needs to know how to be competent. But we, you know, we need to train them, right? We need to mentor them. And so if you're wanting to mentor, how you do that is you find out what their need is. You meet them by, okay, so you mingle 
meet their needs, right? Win their trust. And then say, follow me. Does this make sense? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, prayer. Yeah, thank you that you said that. that. It's the breath of the soul, right? It moves the arm of omnipotence. If you're not prayerfully doing this, this is, this is no good. We're going to talk about tomorrow, because I think, yeah, we got to stop. Um, we're going to talk about this t- tomorrow as being intentional now to, to, the, to make sure that we, Christ is the center of what we do, because what I'm talking about right now, you could be an atheist and do this. You understand? You could start an after-school program and, and teach them how to read, and that would be wonderful and altruistic and everything like that, but uh, an atheist could do this, so how, what's the difference? And, and we're going to talk about that more tomorrow. But this process, this is the beautiful thing about it. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm giving you a process so you can do it yourself. You'll own it. Your kids will own it, and they'll want to take off with it. Does that make sense? Okay, any questions? Yes? For Pinkwitty? Okay, read. Yes, because I don't have that memory. So like, oh, that's a good question. Okay, so, good. I think that fits totally into Christ's method alone of mingling. Jesus, when he mingled, he became what... Like he found out what they were into, I believe, and and talked their language. Now, when the whole concept of being weak, uh, let me let me give you an example. Um, yeah, vulnerability is good. I'm just trying. I'm trying to give you like a really good example of uh, um, something that I'm not really into. But um, I'm not a big. Uh, I like Legos, but I don't play with Legos. I mean, they're cool. Like, if I see them, like, oh, you know. Now, if I met somebody that they, they were so into Legos that they have Lego chairs, you know, like, there are people like that. Is there anyone here? No. But anyway, that, but they have, actually have a Lego room, and that's awesome. So when I, if I met them, I would go and I'd go, wow, you really like Legos. Interesting. You know, and, and uh, he's like, yeah, you know, and so then he started talking about, and I actually have a friend, your husband, <laughs> sorry, I forgot, um, he is obsessed with it. And, and I, let me just say this, I like Legos when I'm around Jason. It's the truth. Because he's so passionate about it. I'm like, wow. You know, and uh, so, not anymore, but uh, his, the next generations. Yeah. Well, when we were in college, like, he's like, I got my new Lego. And he put it, all right, good. So, here's my point. And, 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 and weak, don't tell Jason I mean that he's weak. But the, the point is, the point is, when you find that people, what people's passions are, you, you can be interested in their passion. As long as it's not violating principle. You know, if the guy's like, man, I drink 10 you know, bottles of beer every day, that's my passion. You're like, all right, let's passion on. You know, that might, inter- that, that might not allow. But, but like, find out what they're, where they're at, what they're into. Okay? But here's the beauty of what Christ's method was. Christ said, follow me. He didn't stay there. He found them where they're at and said, hey, follow me. And he made such a connection that they followed him. You know what I mean? Like, man, you caught a lot of fish. Yeah, just leave it. Let's go. And they're like, okay. I mean, do you understand how much money they left behind? How much money Matthew left behind? That was a huge paying job. Tax-free. Right? 
So he met them where he was and said, hey, follow me. So I think that's, that's how I reconcile the two. I hope that, that makes sense. Any other questions? Okay, so uh, just in closing, I want to I, I ask a favor by showing you a, uh, a website that is, I'm being very vulnerable. This is a super basic website that's so not even close to going live, but I put it live here for a reason. I was trying to, we were trying to figure out a, a website where we could communicate um, this message in a way that could be easily understood, so it's kind of a hokey one, I, I freely admit. But uh, fieldwork.love. Believe it or not, you can say .love instead of .com. And fieldwork on every other uh, thing was taken, but fieldwork.love was it, I said, give it to me. So, now, what I, I'm going to tell you what I'm trying to do so that maybe if you get an opportunity, I'd like you to look at it, and I'd like you to critique it and tell me, like, this is what your website needs. Here's my dream, my vision on this. When you hear certain organizations, you, you not only know, recognize it, but you believe that there's franchises everywhere. United Way, YMCA, uh, Red Cross, Ronald McDonald House. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, so my idea would be, in, in, in field work, and, and there's actually some, some places that are starting some things off, so that you could go to... Correct, and, and it's off this premise that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, right? So this is what we do. Now, there are field work stations in the state of Michigan, so that you could go and go, hey, where's, where's field work going on? And then you could go and click on this, and something would pop up, and then you know, this is actually uh, someone that's here, if I can click on it. Uh, yeah, and so this is how you could email that person type of thing. Does that make sense? Uh, so here's why. I would love to give you all who are interested um, cards or like this, this kind of thing so that when you go into the community, you can say, hey, I work with an organization called Fieldwork, and this is what we do. We do things like this. Phil, Phil, you know that word philanthropic, uh, tropical, whatever. Yes, we do good stuff. And, um, okay, so here's where we need your help. You know, like, we're, we're trying to do this. We're trying to do this triathlon. And, uh, man, could you help us with this, this, this? And here's, here's my card. Here's the website, you know. Because some people, I, I'm just, I recognize, and I don't know if you, if uh, Pastor Benson, if you would agree with this, uh, that we live in a day and age where religion and, and even the word pastor, for whatever reason, it turns people off. So I, I don't announce myself. I just go, hey, I'm Chad. But when I tell people I'm a pastor, people get nervous. They literally, you know, and I'm like, why are you freaking out? Oh, yeah. Does that ever happen to you? Right. They either leave or they start thinking you're a priest and confess. I'm like, no, I don't do that. So, so, but anyway, this concept of like, hey, uh, here's field work. This is what we do. We act like Jesus. Like, I'm not afraid to communicate that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, that I love Jesus, and that. but this, this concept is, this is what we do. We help people. I want them to go, man, you are so, you act so awesome. What is it? That's Jesus. Oh, you mean Jesus acts like this? Yes, that's him. Then they're like, I want that. Not, oh, you Christians are so, you know, exclusive, judgmental, you know, whatever. So the idea would be 
And specifically from a youth group's perspective, there would be these field work uh, places all over the state and over, you know, anyone else. If you're from another state, go ahead, you know, we'll, we'll make a bigger map or whatever. So that people, uh, when you go into like Ace Hardware or Myers or whatever, and you're, you're wanting some type of legitimacy and you meet with someone that might not be super excited about a faith-based organization or whatever, or maybe they will, I, I, carry, I can carry two cards. Like, here's my faith-based organization, here's my fieldwork card. But I, I just want to be wise as a serpent, right? Um, as, I, as I work with people. So the idea would be that we would start these types of stations all over the state, and we're doing cool stuff. And then if, once you start doing it, I would love to come videotape, not for, I'm not going to put it on the, on the like, I'm not looking to, I'm not even looking to the church to get a, I'm not looking to boast. I'm wanting to put videos to inspire. Like, I won't be on them. I'll videotape you so that some, so that other stations will go, oh, wow, yeah, we could do this. And then people in the community will go, hey, this is a legit organization. Like, they're doing, they're doing a triathlon in Gaylord. They're helping the homeless in Cadillac. They're finding jobs in, in Grayling. They're, they're passing out socks to strangers filled with goodies. <laughs> In, in Lansing, and then, wow, this is, this is legit. Like, we want to get behind this type of organization. Does this make sense? Like, that's where, that's where I'm headed with this. And young people, now all of a sudden, check this out. They have an identity. There's a bunch of us doing this. Like, wow, that, my church isn't lame. We're doing stuff. There are other young people that are doing things. They're not islands. So then when they, and then all of a sudden you can get field workstations working together. So then if you're in that church where you have maybe two youth, they'll join the Cadillac group when they go to Grand, or Grand Rapids to feed the homeless, or they'll, they'll come help you pass out water. I, I think it can happen. You know what we call this when they're 13? We call it pathfinders. We really do. The problem is, well, once they hit 16, 17, and this is no rip on Pathfinder, it's like 80% lead. Well, we got to do something. So I'm thinking, well, how can we use some of the great strengths of Pathfinders to create something that allows you the individuality to do you at the local level? And I think that this process will work. Any other questions? Okay. Oh, man, I'm over. Sorry. Sorry, for, we went four minutes late. Sorry about that. Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, time together. I pray that uh, we would just simply act more and more like you and that you would shine through us and that people in the darkness of this world will see the light and come closer to you. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.